Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You guys pumped to be here? Yes, in a new year. Yes, the weather is making sure we're alive and awake this morning. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our pastors here. So glad to be with you guys. If it's your first time at Front Range, we hope that this is a place where you can discover your purpose, build community, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And I just want to follow up a bit from what Pastor Brandon was just saying about um, the devastation in Boulder. Man, we are here to help. If you guys know of families um, or you yourself, maybe if you're watching online or you're here with us in person, um, if you guys know of anyone that needs help, please let us know. We're here. We're going to continue to work with um, our partners and, and local churches in the area. One of the things that I've been most encouraged by is seeing the way that the church has stepped up and the way that the body of Christ is stepping in um, to meet the need and to help people in this way. I saw somebody, I think on Twitter the other day, was saying that there was like over a hundred pastors that have said, how can we help? And um, it's, it's almost unmanageable, the number of people in churches that are stepping up to do something. And I'm just proud of the body of Christ. Um, I want to let you know before we get into today's message that next Sunday we are starting a new series called Speak of the Devil. Um, I love the title. I love the topics that we're going to be talking about. Uh, many of our team, we read a book last fall called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And um, he talks about three enemies that we need to resist that steal our peace. Uh, we're going to be talking about the devil, uh, our flesh, and the world. So we're starting that next Sunday. Make sure that you join us for that. But today, we're in a new year. It's 2022. How many of you are like me and you're just kind of like stepping in a little bit? Like, I'm going to come in quietly. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm just going to, I'm here. New year, right? Um, I love this season. It's kind of this in-between after Christmas. Like Christmas feels like it's a year ago to me. How many of us maybe still have the tree up? Y'all got the tree up? Okay, all right, good. Mine is still up mostly because I'm too lazy to take it down. Uh, but you keep it up as long as you want, man. You deserve it. You deserve to leave those lights on and leave that tree up as long as you need to. But we're, we're in this in-between. We have this huge build-up to Christmas and all the presents and the lights and the gifts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in our faith, we, we have Christmas and then we have Easter and we kind of have this, like, in-between little bit. Um, and, and it can seem like kind of a letdown after this big, big moment with Christmas. But I think that these in-between moments are really important. And that uh, at the start of a new year, we have an opportunity to make some changes, right? We have resolutions and things like that. And statistics show most of us don't keep our resolutions. Maybe you got like 400 of them and you're great at it. That's awesome. Maybe you've already like chosen your word for the year. That's great. Maybe you're just like, this is just another day. Let's just move on. What's going on here? But I think that these rhythms that we have in our lives are important, that we can lean into a new year as a new opportunity to grow and to change, to draw closer to God, to be more like Jesus, to make a difference. Um, I, was, I was reading a reading plan in early December that was going through the Christmas story. Um, and so I was reading in the Gospel of Luke, and something struck me about the Christmas story that hadn't really stood out to me before. You know, I was reading, and Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem to have Jesus, and angels appear to shepherds and wise men and say, hey, the Savior's born. Go see him. There's a star in the sky. All this kind of crazy stuff happens. And they go, and they, they meet Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world has been born. And then everyone just has to go back home, like, they just go home, like shepherds go back to shepherding and wise men go back to wise guying or whatever it is that they were, I don't know what they were doing. And then Mary and Joseph, they, they've given birth to the Savior and they just go home. And 
other than one little moment where they accidentally leave Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem, we don't see a whole lot happen for like 30 years in Scripture. Like we know things happen, but we don't see any big significant events happen. And it reminded me that life is not all about the mountaintops or the valleys. It's about the in-between. It's about the day-by-day one foot in front of the other, getting out of bed every single day and living our lives. It's about those moments. And so since we're in one of those in-between seasons, looking at a new year ahead of us, I thought let's talk about what we can do, what we can learn, how we can grow, how we can move on from some of the big events in our lives, both good and bad. Every person listening to me right now, whether you're online or here in person, we've all had big life-changing experiences in the last year, maybe some of us in the last month or, or more recently, we've had moments, both good and bad, that have marked us, that have changed us, and we have an opportunity to choose what we're going to do with them, how we're going to move on and, and move forward with maybe grieving and, and how we're going to live with the grief that we have or the pain that we've experienced or some of the good things. Maybe uh, there's been a new life in, in your family or something like that, something good or maybe the best vacation you've ever had, but it's not something that we can make happen every single day and we come back down to this sort of in-between regular life. As we talk about this, I thought it would be appropriate to look at the, the letter to uh, the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there uh, with me. We're going to start in chapter 3. This letter has a lot that we can learn from and that we can implement in our lives. Now, I'll give you a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul went to the town of Thessalonica. He preached the gospel. He told them about Jesus. They received him. They said, we want to follow this guy. This man, he is the Savior. We're going to follow him. And so they choose to give their lives to Christ huge high moment, right? Not that kind of high, but like a, a big high in their moment, in their lives. And then scripture says some bad characters form a mob, cause a riot, and they kick Paul out of town. So Paul has to leave. The new believers in Thessalonica, they're left kind of like, what do we do now? We, we decided to follow Jesus and We've given our lives to him. We've changed our lives. Our, some of our families mad at us about this. We've kind of been kicked out and ostracized, and we're outcasts now, and they're being persecuted. So Paul writes a letter to encourage them, but also to give them some instructions for their daily lives, what they're supposed to be focusing on, what this whole following Jesus thing is supposed to look like in this big opportunity that they have in this new season of their lives. And I think as we look at a new year, some of us, man, maybe we're just hoping that this year is better than last year. Like that, the, the floor is, let's just be better than last year, right? Some of us, maybe we're hoping and praying that this is the best year ever. That's my hope and prayer for you, that this is your best year of your life. And I think that there's some things that we can do, that we can implement, that can make that happen. So let's look at some of these lessons that we can use today to make 2022 our best year ever. The first thing that I believe is that we should be different. Be different. Now, I don't mean just in like a new year, new you kind of way. I mean like actually take the experiences that we've had over the last year, two years, whatever that looks like, process them with God and allow them to change us to be closer to him and be more like Jesus in the year to come. Paul prays for the Thessalonian believers. He prays something very specific for them. And I think it's very key what he asks for, what he's asking God to do in their lives. And chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Here's what Paul prays for them. May the Lord make your love 
increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. These believers, they've, they've had this big moment of committing their lives to Christ and this low moment of being persecuted for that decision. And Paul's prayer for them is that they would be changed as a result and that they would take their experiences and that they would grow in their love for one another, that their love would not just increase but overflow for one another and everyone around them, that they would be strengthened, that they would be blameless and holy, holy meaning to be set apart for God, to be different than the culture around them. And ultimately, this, is, this boils down the goal for every follower of Jesus. This is a perfect little image of what it looks like to grow in our maturity and following Jesus, to grow in our love for one another and to grow in our holiness, being more like Jesus. That's the hope for each of us. It's important for us as we have a year like we had last year and we step into this new one, it's important for us to look back and to take what's happened, both good and bad, Take it before the Lord and say, God, use this in some way. Use this to change me, to pull me in closer with you, to make me more like Jesus. It's important for us to be different as a result of what we've experienced. My family dynamics changed a bit last year. We had some close family members get a scary diagnosis and have to start treatments and things like that. So all of our family members, we had to shift and change and adjust and figure out what this new normal looks like for us. And so my family, we traveled more than we expected to, took more time off, uh, more phone calls, more FaceTimes, more texts, things like that. None of that's bad. But what it caused us to do is have to realize what our priorities actually are and the fact that people matter more than anything else in this world. And that especially our family, our close family, they matter more than anything else and that it's important to spend time with them. It caused us, it gave us the opportunity to spend more time with the people who matter, to draw closer to one another, to care for one another in greater ways. And then personally, it, it gave me a whole lot of opportunities to ask God for help. To say, God, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need you to move in this situation. I need you to be present in our lives. I need you to speak. Show up, God. Please be near to us. It gave me a whole lot of opportunities to draw closer to him. And then I'm thankful for this. It gave me the opportunity to have more compassion. And it made my heart more tender towards people who are struggling in similar ways. Like I, I've heard stories over and over of people struggling with different things. And I've been able to empathize with them and go, man, I'm there too. I'm, I'm going to be praying with you um, just as you're going to be praying for me. Let's, let's care for one another. Let's make sure we check on one another. It's reminded me of the value of community. People who are able to step in and just be there for one another in hard times. Now, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal at all. It's not easy going through some of the difficult things that I've seen over the last year, but it's drawn me in closer to God and it's given me a greater love for people and I'm thankful for that. Every experience that we have in our lives has the opportunity to draw us closer to God and to make us more like Jesus, mostly because it can change us into people who trust and rely on the God who gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And he gives us a hope and a joy that's rooted in him and not the circumstances around us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
Verse 16, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Remember, as I read these verses, remember the audience of this letter, the original audience, these people who have given their lives to Christ, they're being persecuted, they've been kicked out. There was a riot because of their decision to follow Jesus and the preaching of Paul. And they're hearing this and going, that sounds great, but this is difficult. And Paul's encouragement is to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. What I think that Paul is saying to these folks, he's trying to point their attention to something very important, and it's the next lesson for us as we step into a new year. It's to be content. It's to learn to be content. Paul wants to point our eyes to the simple way of life, of following Jesus between the mountaintops and the valleys and reminding us where our true joy comes from. Being content, finding a way to be content in Christ gives us a center point, sort of a foundation to return to when the boat gets rocked and when the storms come. And Paul talks about this in many of his letters. He had discovered something about following Jesus and being filled with his spirit. He learned through persecution, through getting beat, through getting just kicked out of all these places and messed up all these things. He had learned to find not only peace, but joy in his circumstances. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Man, how many of us would love to be there? To be in that place where we can say, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, to have peace in the middle of a storm. I think that this peace, this contentment is the longing of every single human being on the planet. And I think that's one of the key things that's been revealed for us in the last two years as a lot of things got flipped upside down or ripped away. Many of us have had to discover like, oh, I was finding my peace, my joy, my life in something that's temporary or something that's not rooted in Christ and it got pulled away from me, now what do I do? So Paul says that he has found the secret. What is the secret? You may have heard this verse before. Verse 13, Philippians 4, 13. I can do all this, all what? All of the things he had talked about, learn the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, hang on a minute. I've heard this verse before. I've seen this verse on a dude's face at a football game. Like, I, I thought this was about, like, winning the game, conquering the enemy, lifting heavier weights. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. You guys heard that verse? It's one of the most misused, out-of-context verses in all of Scripture because we make it say something it's not actually saying. We make it about conquering, winning. All, no, 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 that's not what it's about. It's about peace. It's about Simple contentment in a person named Jesus. Paul says the secret that he's found to being content is Jesus who gives us strength. When life gets crazy, 
when you get thrown a curveball, even when you have something amazing happen, Jesus stays the same. He's not caught off guard by what happens to us. He's not surprised. Guess what? The clock rolled over to 2022, and he's still on the throne. He's still in control. He is still God. And he has a plan for us, and he will cause all things to work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is still God, and he is the source of our peace, our contentment, our joy, our hope, our life. So how do we live into that? How do we step into a way of life that allows us to experience that in a real way? It's the third lesson for us today that I believe is we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul's instructions to these new believers. They, remember, these are the key things. Paul sends a letter to these people he preached the gospel to, and they're like, great, what do we do, Paul? Here's what he says. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should, I want you to say this out loud with me, you should mind your own business. The Bible says mind your own business. Take that, do with it what you will, post it on social media, I don't know. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Chapter 5, verse 6, Paul says, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we are people of the light. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. There is a diligence a faithfulness, a predictability to life in Christ that's meant to be a foundation to return to after the highs and the lows of our lives, after the storms, in the middle of the storm. There is a faithfulness and a one foot in front of the other every single day diligence to life in Christ that's meant to draw us closer to him and help us be more like him. We're meant to be examples of hard work and faithfulness. We're meant to be respected and admired for the way that we live our lives. Let me ask you a question. If we took your life, your daily life, your Monday through Saturday, and we asked someone around you, your coworker, your neighbor, your family member, whatever, we asked them to describe the way that you live your life, what could they predict about you? And here's the kicker, the the gut punch for all of us. Would it be any different from anyone else? Would Would the way that you live your life and the things that they could predict about you, would it look any different from someone who does not follow Jesus? Because people are watching. People are noticing. I was, uh, the reading plan I was talking about earlier, taking me through the Christmas story, it was, um, it had a video element every couple of days where they, they would dig into like a, a Greek word or something like that. And so I was doing this reading plan in the mornings as I was eating breakfast and my four-year-old daughter sitting next to me at the counter. So I'd be reading scripture and every couple of days there'd be a video and what four-year-old doesn't want to watch a video on daddy's phone? So, you know, the video would pop up and she would lean over and we'd be watching. Two or three of those happened. And again, they were spaced apart. Two or three of those happened, and she goes, Daddy, you always watch these Bible videos when you eat breakfast. 
And I, I laughed because, like, you know, to a four-year-old always, it's just it's kind of a strong statement when there's only a couple of these. But what it reminded me is that she's noticing. And it reminded me of how important those moments are. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal at all because it's not like that all the time. But it, it was a gut check for me that my daughter's watching the way that I'm living my life. And she, thankfully, has noticed that I'm doing this reading plan and I'm checking out these videos, diving into scripture. That was a great moment for me that was also very convicting, reminding me of the, the faithfulness and the diligence in my walk with Christ that is affecting the people around me. I want to share a little tool that I've used to create some rhythms and put some structure to this diligence. Now, I'm a structure, system, habit, rhythm person. So this stuff works for me. This stuff is helpful for me. I hope that it's helpful for you. Um, if not, ball it up and throw it away. But there's a piece of paper under every seat in here this morning. And if you guys would reach under, just go ahead and grab that. There's questions on one side. There's a graph on one side. Um, we're going to look at the graph here. If you're watching online, uh, we'll put images on here, but you guys can go to frontrange.org resources. There's PDFs of this as well that you can use. So this is called a rule of life. Now, when I say rule, I don't want you to hear to-do list or law or any of that. The idea behind this is it's modeled after a trellis for an olive branch, where an olive branch would grow with a trellis. It would help it grow and mature. This is what this is meant to be be in our life with Christ. This is meant to be a simple, structured way of ordering our values and our disciplines, and it's meant to bring a focus, and it's meant to help us bring every area of our lives under submission to Christ. So as we do this, I want you to think about two questions as we look ahead to this. The first question is, what does my life look like right now? In this moment, what does my life look like? Both the good and the bad. Where am I killing it? Where am I just totally messing it up? What's going on? Where, where is my life with Christ? Where's my life with my family? How am I doing emotionally? What, all of this stuff. Where am I at right now? What is my life like right now? And then the second question, what do I want my life to look like in a year? Five years. Maybe, maybe you can't do the five-year plan. I know that I can't and you want to pull it back. What do I want my life to look like in a month? What do I want my life to look like tomorrow? The first Monday of 2022, what do I want my life to look like? Use those two things to process with the Lord and figure out how to fill something out that can help you put some structure in place to be diligent in your walk with Christ and in your life. So I'm going to walk you through some of the things that I have done personally. Now, I've given you different categories in these four quadrants. You could put anything you want there. Again, make this your own. It's meant to be shifted and adjusted and changed season to season. Um, but I've given these four areas because they've been helpful for me to kind of cover most of my life, most of the areas of my life. So I'm going to give you some examples here. We're going to start up in the relational category. If you guys want to sit down and have coffee and go through everything I have on mine, absolutely great. I would love to do that, but I'm just going to give you a few pieces in each one. So relational category, something in my rule of life is that we gather in community. We, my wife and I, gather in community at least once a week. We've put it 
on paper because it matters enough that we're going to structure our lives around it. So what this means for us is that every Monday night is reserved. Every Monday night is community group. We're gathering together with other believers to follow Jesus together. We are doing this. It matters to us. It matters to our relational health to gather in community at least once a week. And we make choices based on what's in this rule of life. We have ordered the rest of our lives around this. Second thing here for my wife and I, we have a date night at least every other week. I, I say at least. We love it to be every week. Sometimes babysitters, things, things like that. It's sometimes not possible. But at the very least, every other week, my wife and I are sitting down face-to-face with no kids to talk, to be together, to just check in. How are you doing? How are we doing? What do we need to do? Just have that moment, that check-in. That is key for us. We'll go down to the emotional category. Daily silence and solitude. I'd love to talk about these concepts more if if you want to get coffee. Um, But just daily time to sit in God's presence and just process and just be with him and just hear from him and allow him to work in my heart and in my soul. Second thing on here, no social media before 8 a.m. or after 9 p.m. If you've been on social media recently, I'm sure you can imagine why having limits on social media is important. Those are the things that I've put in place for me. Um, I don't always nail that. It is really difficult sometimes for some reason. It's almost like they designed the stuff to just pull you into it, right? Um, So I, I put those things in place to be some limits to keep me emotionally healthy. We'll go up to the personal category. For our family, we want family fun events at least twice a month. Now, it was easier when the weather was nicer, but what what we mean by that is we don't just want to be sitting in the house every weekend. We want to go somewhere. We want to do something. We want to go to the zoo, go to wherever, taking our young kids out to do stuff, to have fun as a family. That's something that we found was lacking in our rhythms, and so we put it in place here to challenge ourselves to, to do that more often. The second one here, exercising several times each week, several times. I, we have numbers on it, but we say several times to leave some space um, for, some, for some nuance there. But again, this causes us to make different choices that, okay, my wife's going to go these days, I'm going to go these days. That means you're watching the kids or this is happening, things like that. We have to work around that, but we've put it in our rule of life because it's important enough to us in this season to make it a habit and a regular rhythm. Spiritual category, daily Bible reading, daily prayer. I know it may, for some of us, it may seem self-explanatory, but it has to go, for me, it has to go in a rule of life to keep it in front of me that I am going to be in God's word and be in his presence in prayer every single day. Statistics and studies show by far the thing that changes us and makes us more like Jesus and gives us greater peace in our lives is being in his word and being in prayer every single day. So it's here in my rule of life. We are going to do this every single day. And again, this causes us to make choices. So if I'm going to be reading the Bible and praying every single day, and so is my wife, then we got to figure out where does this four-year-old and where does this one-year-old go and what do they do so that we can have that moment? How do we train them? How do we teach them to go play? Just get out of the room so I can read my Bible. It doesn't always happen that way, but it challenges us to say, hey, mommy and daddy are going to read their Bibles right now. You need to go play. 
you need to go somewhere else. So anyway, that's why it's there. Uh, the second thing here, weekly church, meaning my wife and I are in service together, worshiping together, and engaging what our kids are learning in their class. They do an amazing job in our kids' ministry of teaching our children about Jesus and how to live for him. My wife and I are the primary spiritual leaders in our family, and so we want to follow up on what they're learning in their classrooms, their memory verses, their worship videos, all of that stuff. So we make it a habit and a priority to engage, to watch the videos with them. It's also a great distraction. They love watching Ollie, man. The, the, the preschool videos are amazing, and we watch it at least once a day with our kids at home because they love it, and it helps us just see what they're hearing and what they're learning, and it's great for us. So again, this is mine. This is what's working for us in this season, and this is a tool. It's a tool meant to help you put some rhythms in place, to engage with God on a regular basis, to be in his presence, to put some healthy practices in place so that you're healthy personally, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Take this and use it, please. I think that there is nothing better at the start of a new year than having something to go, I want to be better. I don't want to just do the same thing I've always done. And I hope that this is helpful for you to take a tool like this and use it. Because I think that we can be different this year. I believe, I firmly believe that every single person has an opportunity to be different this year. To take what's happened to us, to integrate it into who we are now, to process it with the Lord and to allow it to shape us and mold us into people who look, sound, and act more like Jesus. And we have an opportunity to put some rhythms in place to be in God's presence, to experience his peace that surpasses understanding, to be content in our daily lives, in the, the life that he's given us and the, the, the things that are before us. We can find contentment in where we're at right now. And we have an opportunity to put rhythms in place, to be more diligent in our walk with Jesus and in our lives. And I'm hoping and praying that this really is the best year ever in your life. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of something that Paul says in Philippians chapter one. It was prophetic for his original readers and I believe it's prophetic for us here today. And I wanna close with this. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have as we step into this new year, as we look at the, the tomorrow, the first Monday of the year, some of us getting back to work tomorrow, God. We, we have such an opportunity, such a, a, a cool time for us to make a change, to be different, to see you move in our lives. And Lord, we come before you in this moment and we want to leave the past behind, not ignoring it, but allowing it to change us while we move on. God, I pray that for many of us who have experienced some tough things in the last year, God, that you would be near to us in this moment. God, right now, whether we're in the room here at Renaissance or we're watching online at home in our living room, God, I pray that we would, have a, we would have a sense of your presence to know that you are with us, that you've not left us, 
you're here. God, the, the events that we just celebrated proves to us that you want to be intimately involved in our lives. By you, you sent Jesus to be with us, to live among us, to die for us, to pay the price for our sins. God, I thank you that that truth that you are with us does not end after Christmas. You are with us by the power of your Holy Spirit every single day. And as we're in this moment, I know that every single week we have folks who are checking things out and you're looking for hope. You're looking for peace. And what you're ultimately looking for is a person named Jesus. And if you've never uh, given your life to Christ before, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. So everybody, just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass anyone or ask you to come forward, any of that kind of stuff. All I want to do is explain to you what this looks like and pray for you. We have an opportunity to give our lives to Christ, to say, God, I've messed up, I've sinned, I need you to save me. And we can trust him for salvation because he paid the price for our sins on the cross. And then when we talk about following Jesus, all that means is saying, I'm gonna try to do what you want me to do. I'm gonna try to live my life the way that you want me to live it and I'm gonna fail and I'm gonna mess up and I need your help. But every day I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna pray for your strength. I'm gonna pray for you to help me. I'm gonna ask for you to reveal to me the areas that are not in line with your will and I'm gonna try to do better with your help while knowing that I'm forgiven, that your grace covers me and that you love me. So if that's you today, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never chosen to follow Jesus, I'm gonna pray for you here in a second, but I know that there are also folks, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, maybe life has gotten in the way, you've gone a different direction and you wanna come back home here today. You wanna to recommit your life to Christ. If you're in one of those two places, you wanna follow Jesus for the first time, you wanna recommit your life to Jesus today, would you just slip your hand up with me so that I can pray for you? Lord, I thank you so much, again, for an opportunity, for a moment where we can have a fresh start, where we can choose in this moment that we're gonna turn from our sins and follow you. God, I thank you for your salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross. God, may that, may that salvation cover every single person raising their hand, whether, whether they threw their hand up or they're just in their heart saying right now, God, I need that. Lord, I pray for your forgiveness. <laughs> thank you so much for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. God, we trust you for our salvation. We know that we could never do it on our own. We've tried. And Lord, in this moment, we are gonna follow you. We are going to begin a new life with you right now. Fill us with your spirit. Give us the strength that we need. Give us your peace and your life and your hope, God. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.